Welcome to The Director's Take, a podcast where we explore how you go from directing something with your mates to being the most senior decision maker on a film set. I'm Marcus Thomas. And I'm Oz Arshad, and we are both writer-directors at the beginning of our TV and feature film directing journeys. The pathway doesn't exist, so we are going to do our best to help you bridge the gap. I was creating your bio for the section yeah. and IMDb says Callie is an actress born in Leicestershire. Is that true? Well, technically, yeah, because where we move around, because we're on the in in between Northamptonshire and Leicestershire for in countryside. Uh, so I thought you're Northamptonshire for in free. Mm. We sort of go in between the two, depending what village you go in and we move around all the villages. Are you are you Northamptonshire? Northamptonshire, yeah, yeah. 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 And born on 23rd of October. Is that who, true? Who writes this on my I don't know. This is, it's going to say like you're just like fishing for presents. How do they know my birthday? That's so weird. I don't know. I thank God I don't have a Wikipedia. Yeah. It's so well, creepy. Sure all shit. That'll be yes. coming. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be on its way. Um, so and it says that you trained at RADA before landing your first professional role in the Sky Atlantic show Britannia. I know that's true. You've since gone from strength to strength, featuring in shows such as Informer, The Stranger, Adult Material, uh, Rules of the Game alongside the wonderful Maxine Peake. And most recently, you've been dipping into the comedy world with roles in Cheetahs, Peacock, Wedding Season and the upcoming sitcom Henpocalypse, a story about hen weekend that gets interrupted by the apocalypse, which sounds really fun. That's all quite right. So welcome to the podcast, Callie Cook. Hello, thank you. Although I didn't go to RADA, I went to Art Zed. I thought you did go RADA. Fake, fake news. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Because I changed it to RADA because I thought you did go to RADA. Uh, I, did a, I did a foundation, um, but I don't know if you can count it. Bollocks. I feel like Art Zed is my, is my, my, my true, I can't, check, I can't claim RADA. Oh, also, bollocks. I don't want to claim RADA, so if you change yeah, that. Yeah, hang on, I'll do that again. Yeah, do that so, again. So, we don't, we don't know two. why we don't want them, so I don't want to be associated with that. <laughs> Shall we just start again, yeah? Yeah, let's start that again. So, she yeah. trained at Arts Ed before landing her first professional role in Sky Atlantic show Britannia. Oh, that's all good. Nice, the rest was true. Yeah, the rest was true. Shit, all this time, for years and years and years, I thought you'd gone there. Really? No, so yeah, I yeah. did. I, so I did that's how your sister introduced you? Like, yeah, well, I did, I, I, I did at first. Uh, for a year, um, because I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to German school, and then I was like, "Oh, maybe I'll go do a degree." But I basically only could go where they would pay us to go. Rather's like they take maybe like one poor kid a year, yeah. <laughs> or everyone else is just like really, really wealthy. So uh, I said it's amazing. They had like my year was there was like twenty four of us in a year, and I think about eighteen won full scholarship. Wow, yeah. that's pretty good. Big um, was that under the Tories? Yeah, we were the year. It was the first year that the fees went up. Was when I went to drama school. But Art said technically a private school. Most drama schools are technically private school. And um, Art said right. was twelve grand a term, mm. um, which is just a madness. Which obviously she and finance didn't even touch the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I went to university just before, like literally the last year before the fees went up. I'm not sure if I would have even gone. If... Yeah, there's, there's the scholarship that um, everyone had arts said was called a DADA. I don't know if it exists anymore, but it stands for Dance and Drama Award. 
And um, I mean, it was amazing. It was a fully paid thing. Yeah. So, but just because my mind's still blown about the RADA thing. <laughs> we, yeah, we had a whole conversation before you came yeah. on about it. I was like, fuck, she went to RADA, yeah. I didn't even know that. Then we were like, right. Throw the agenda out. Um, but <laughs> Well, we had a different agenda, yeah. We just thought, you know, we'd be all like different about it. But now that we know that you're, uh, you know, like yeah, us common yeah. folk, so, you know. I'm humble. Yeah, yeah. We can, we can be cool with me now. <laughs> but no, did I you, did, you basically got in, but you, you didn't proceed with it because it was... No, see, I went, I, I went for a foundation year. I mean, you know where we're from. I knew nothing where I'd gone to slash where to go or, like, what to do. So we sort of done thing for a lot of 18-year-olds to go for a foundation year. <clears throat> also, it's so hard to get in at 18. Yeah. Because they turn around to all of you and they're like, you're too young, go and get some life experience. So yeah, I went 18, did one year, and then knew I wanted to go off and do another, like do three, a three year, but oh. um, just applied for sort of various schools that weren't as expensive. But also rather than literally in Tottenham Court Road, mm. like, and kids kids live on Tottenham Court Road when they go yeah. there. <laughs> three years yeah. on Tottenham Court Road, it's mad. But it was fun. I mean, it's really fun. And when I was there, you know, like the people that I was watching shows were like Jesse Buckley, Taryn Edgerton, those sort of people were all there when I was there. And it was amazing yeah. watching them do it. But it's, it's quite old school. Yeah, yeah. I heard they make you do like a bunch of mad shit in character for like two weeks or something. Yeah, I mean, to be yeah. fair, that's drama school. We did yeah. some mad shit. I think you're going to go anywhere. But I remember at the time being like, oh, rather it's that Rada's the only school where you can get like to go to to become successful because mm. that is sort of what you think from the outside. Uh, and I remember thinking it quite a way into because I had a boyfriend at the time who was on the three year Rada. I remember massively comparing like what, what we were doing compared to what he was doing. And I was like, mm. they've got such a better chance. I mean, and logistically, they do have a better chance. They do in their third year, they do like six, seven shows, and some of them are like 200. And it's like, imagine being in central London, every industry person is coming to see you and you're doing a two-hander. Mm. Like, what better chance have you got to be seen than that? And we were doing this 15-cast show. Like, we were doing, like, a Shakespeare where one person comes on, it's like the servant and says one line. Or it's, it, it, I think it yeah. was harder to be seen. But um, the second I graduated, that all went out the window because you realised it's all the level playing ball and it doesn't really matter where you go strong school. Yeah. Especially not now. No one cares now, right? No, no, no. It's, it's interesting though. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. Um, we had Catherine Goldschmidt on, who was one of the um, House of the Dragon cinematographers. Yeah. We were talking about how in America they don't have sort of like, I guess, state-funded kind of film schools. And yeah. what she was saying was what happens with that is that people think then that's the only way in. Mm. And I guess right. what you're alluding to is that back then that was your kind of train of thought that, well, rather's my only way in, there isn't another one. It massively was because you Google, I mean, yeah. you know, I have no, I, well, I had no professional experience. I didn't know a single actor. I didn't know a single person in the industry. I didn't have like a family friend who's, you know, dad works in film or like, there was none of that where we, where we grew yeah. up. And like, you literally just Google how do I become an actor? Like, what acting 101? And it's like, go to Rada. So I thought, all right. So I did that. And then you get there and you're like, look, I don't want to put Rada as like this posh kids universe because it yeah, isn't. Yeah, yeah. And like the people I met there are also 
hardworking and brilliant and of course they're going to be brilliant we've got the best teachers in the world but I mean ultimately you are there with kids who were Billy Elliot when they were 10 or like you know the Von Trapp kids like as they were all or all their pet both their parents were actors or producers or whatever and it's just a different it's like normal for them or normalized it, yeah it's so yeah. it's uh, yeah and you know a lot of them grew up in London and like so they just understand the universe much more than I guess I did and then that's why Arts Ed was definitely more my place because it was just everyone there was quite normal I mean also there's like 20 dancers now I'd say in London alone that you could go to get a really good like degree out of and I think people are also looking in other places as well to find talent oh yeah yeah I mean I know my agent for sure she's probably not that interested in drama school anymore she would go to like I mean National Youth Theatre yeah one which is amazing and there seems you know around us there's like Nottingham TV workshop there's loads of theatre like Birmingham's got some amazing like like the Birmingham Rec Theatre is an amazing theatre company and like there's tons of things with a thing called Fourth Monkey now which is basically for like young people who maybe haven't got into drama school mm. Well, but still like the training and they do like a year long rep of just doing plays and films and it's like I mean that could be all you need I think I needed to go because I was clear yeah and I guess with that like I probably met you like a while back back when you wasn't at RADA mm-hmm. um and I just moved to London yeah, yeah. Uh, I just lived with your sister who was a nurse and she was like oh my sister's at RADA uh you should meet her because you're on the film so we did and we've kind yeah. of like uh stayed in touch since but yeah we 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 were both from like Northamptonshire and you were saying there's like, there's absolutely nothing going on there. Like there's no film industry. Really? There's no, London feels like a distant land, even though it's an hour away. It's really strange. Yeah. You touched on it briefly, but what, why? Like why? <laughs> why did you become an actor? Why did you think you could do it? Cause you didn't do any commercials or anything at all. Like you just did school stuff, Yeah, right? no. Yeah, to completely just school stuff. I mean, I mean, not to sound, I'm not even that old, but like when I was at school, there was loads of stuff available to us. Um, maybe it's growing up on the countryside. They just assume that the kids are bored. I started off within music. Um, like I played quite a lot of instruments. I had a lot of music lessons. I went to a music store on a Saturday that was super cheap. And we'd do like four hours. And we'd do music, singing, dance and drama. And then I sort, sort of from there, I think just purely salsa. Never anything professionally. Never even anything like at the theatres. In, in Northampton or Leicester or Birmingham, never any of those theatres. It's always at school. And when um, I think my sort of culture did come from watching TV as a kid. I very rarely went to the theatre if I thought it was on a school trip, mm. maybe to the RSC, which was, I, I mean, I do remember going to the RSC for fast fun. And then, yeah, I mean, I watched loads of TV as a kid, which sounds very like, like, wouldn't sound very civilised, but like, soaps yeah. i grew up watching soaps and like those were the first experiences of tv that i think i had I remember the royal family was like a massive thing because it was like yeah was oh my god that was massive around, right? yeah yeah and you could see yourself on tv and it was things like that that i massively remember and i think my best mate she got a video camera and we used to spend our entire like holidays making we used to make this tv show around my rhythm me and my two best mates i mean it was absolute it was so bad it's complete gibberish <laughs> but we i guess that's how i sort of started it was probably just messing around with my mates nothing legit ever and i think that's why they've had such bad imposter syndrome moving to london because 
you know, people at least have been in actual shows on stages. And I, I've never stepped on a stage in the drama school. Like, really? Yeah, and I've never been on a real stage before. I did have one drama teacher who, not at school, school would very much like go to uni, study it. Mm. If you're going to study it, be a teacher. But um, I had one teacher at one of my drama clubs who was an actor. And he had gone to drama school and he was the one who was like, you know, you can do it. If you want it, you can give it a go. You can it. And he basically, yeah, he told me like three schools, because like rather lambda. I can't remember the other one. Um, and he was like, just go to one of them. Like, it's that easy. Just pop in. Just go to yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, then, yeah, I did. And I mean, thank God I got in 18 because I don't really know if I would have given it another go. Mm. It's hard. It's so hard. It's like, I, I actually, I've been helping this young lad from, like, he lives in Leicester. I've been helping me get into dance, well, trying to get into dance school recently, and I forgot. Just it's so hard. Yeah. Like with so many schools, and like just so many of us. It's it is it is crazy, isn't it? Like when you think yeah. about it. I, I I did um I did some work recently, and I was working with a couple of actors. I was just looking back at their careers. You'd think looking at them, you'd think that oh they've had an all right time, but they haven't. It's always, yeah. It's, it's been a, it's, it's ups and downs and struggles and stuff. And what's tough is that sometimes it is easy. That's what keeps you going. Like, because sometimes, not safe either, but sometimes people can get a life-changing job overnight. Or, you know, they can't, like, there are these amazing stories and that is what keeps people going. Like, I've got a lot of friends that, like, we're five, five years out of drama school too, and we're at this point now that some of my friends are like, do I keep going with this? Because it's hard. But when there's these little things that happen and you're like, it can come and touch it. Yeah, yeah. It's just about being in the right place at the right time. Exactly. There must be an element of, as well, Callie, that for, for you to sort of like keep going, because this is one thing that we talk about, you know, when we talk to any artist, we, we, we speak about this, about, you know, what is it that keeps that flame lit? Yeah. And I guess there must be an element of some validation from somewhere that you are actually all right at the craft in order yeah. for you to have that self-belief to, you know, just, just to keep striving. Yeah, there is a bit of your ego that, hold on to that like I, I one of the first things for me was reading a review about myself the first time i know you're not supposed to read them but obviously i'm going to read them <laughs> and i just remember it was the first time i'd seen like in print that like maybe i was good and like i just and I, honestly it's like five years later i sometimes when i'm feeling a bit shit i'll go back and i'll just read them yeah. oh, really wonderful. weird and just need that and sometimes cause it's, you get rejection constantly like even at my point now where things are going quite well i still get massive fuck off rejection mm. like it's so it's it can be quite relentless it's like a juggling game all the time mm. I think we'll, we'll touch on that a bit later because from the jump, ever since you graduated from Not Rada, you've kind of been working pretty solidly, right? Which is yeah, like you've I always had so, something yeah. on the horizon, like to keep you going. You've not ever kind of been out for a long time. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued to know about how you landed your first gig because you didn't even come through shorts, did you? you kind of did theatre and then TV. No, like... I started off started off in theatre. Well, my first job. Um, I left Artsel a bit early because I got this play that you saw, Firebird. Yeah, Firebird, it's great. Um, and basically, it was this play about this sixteen-year-old girl who had been trafficked and groomed. It was so heavy, but so well. I just I remember reading it and just knowing that I had to do it because I read it and then I instantly read it again, which I don't think I've ever done mm. since. 
And I also printed out the entire, I used the outside library and I printed out the entire script in the play. I printed out the entire play and then I just like sat there, highlighted the whole thing like I'd already got the job and I just started rehearsing it. I don't know why, I just, I just, I just knew that I was going to do it. It was weird. I've never had that before, mm. really. It was a bit of a fight to get it actually because the character was 16 and I was what, 20, 21 at the time. I had to like convince them that I was young enough, I think, to play it. And I think the director tried with the idea of getting an actual 16 year old mm. to blur it, but then I think they thought it was too heavy. So my agent was really pushy with them. And so if my agent had just signed with her, she was just amazing. Like she was throwing them every line and she was like, she's going to do it. I was going to do it. And then, yeah, I got it and I left. Yeah, I spent my graduation day in the rehearsal room for it. And I just, it ended up being about a year of my life, I think. So we did it at the Hampstead Theatre first for about a couple of months. And then we transferred it to the West End. Mm. And then we did it traveling years for a few months. That was the best side shop in the world. It's great. It was intense. And like the whole thing was on you as well, wasn't it? Like the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, it was, like, it was like drama school all over again. It was basically a three-hander where I didn't leave the stage. Mm. And, I mean, my agent was just so... She bought everyone. She must have seen the show, like, 30 times. Mm. Wow. And she just bought... She bought so many casting directors, directors, producers. She just bought everyone to come and see it. And I had a hype about it as well, which is amazing to be in something yeah. like that people actively are trying to get tickets for that's really cool yeah because it, it was like a proper showcase for for what you can do um because it was so heavy like to do that twice a day is in, <laughs> i don't know how you yeah but it, it was a gift it was a, i couldn't i mean it meant, i mean people do it now for their drama school auditions or showcasing oh, wow. like it's which is so yeah. cool but yeah it was an absolute gift i mean to go through every possible emotion on stage mm. It, it, it must have been obviously invaluable experience for you just to be thrown into that sort of like over and over again, having to perform yeah. in front of so many people. We had another actor on, uh, Amit Shah, and he was yeah. fortunate enough to just come straight out of, and he did Bollywood Dreams, I think it was, and he was talking about how it was the same, just the yeah. discipline immediately after drama school. Of just it over is, and over it again. just, I think, look, I don't want to undermine drama school, but I'll never be where I am without it. Like, I learnt more doing Firebirds and I have that in, in any of the years training that I did before it. Mm. And also just having the shift between a director treating you as a professional is invaluable. Like at drama school, you are treated like children, which is mad because we're all, I mean, there are people in the year at drama school who are in their late teens. Mm. You know, there are, a lot of them are postgrads and all sorts, but you are treated like children and you're treated as if you're like, you know, you have to be so grateful to be there all the time, and your teachers want to be on these pedestals. Mm. Whereas the second you graduate, the professional, like you're a professional and you're, you know, you're at form, which is, you know, in the cast, it was me, an amazing actor, Albert Sharma, who was, uh, I think he was early 40s when we did Firebird. And like, we had the two of us were treated completely equally. And it was the first time in my life I was acting with someone playing their own age mm. you know you're used to acting with an 18 year old playing a 60 year old man yeah, yeah. and uh so i mean that with that experience was just yeah honestly if i could do it again i would it was amazing that's awesome i guess from there like what was your it was britannia britannia <clears throat> was your first tv gig wasn't it so yeah. like from yeah. there uh you said you had no experience of being on a set at all so what was that like the first time of kind of being thrown into a tv set like seeing the way it runs 
And then how did you kind of manage to block that out and kind of focus in on what you needed to do? I don't think I did. <laughs> it was mad. It was mad. I mean, imagine never being on set and then going on to something, you know, like how to drag. It's the same sort of It tried quality. to be like the, the Game yeah, of Thrones killer, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. It did, and um, didn't quite work out, but they <laughs> tried. Um, uh, it was mad. I mean, I my first, the whole thing was so weird. Like, I'd done an audition. I, I'd done an audition from the lead, I think, and then didn't hear anything for like a month. And then about a month later, they phoned and they were like, so you didn't get the lead, but they want you to play. They've, or, or they've made the lead now a 15-year-old girl, but they'd like you to play her sister. Um, and I was like, great. And they're like, so you fly to Prague tomorrow. <laughs> And I was like, at this point, I had a job. I was always set. Yeah. I was like, oh, And I literally flew to Prague like two days later, did six weeks of stunt training, like horse riding, archery. I mean, it was so yeah, cool. Yeah, um, It was so fun. I mean, so many things happened that I would just probably never let happen. But, like, I sat in the makeup chair and they dyed my hair brown just on the spot in the chair, which, did like... You know about it? That would actually that wouldn't happen now because I'd be like, excuse me, but I'll do it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, just like the imposter syndrome was intense. So I felt like a competition winner. Mm. Uh, and then, <laughs> um, even honestly, you could see, even when they like picked me up at the airport and they had my, like a guy stood there with my name yeah. on at the airport, I had to take a photo of it to show my mum. But yeah, the first week shooting was basically this huge tree of life sequence um so it's, very, it's basically about the roman invasion of britain and they built this tree which i've never seen anything look so real and amazing and then they're basically the, the romans swarm in and they just set everyone on fire and there's a huge battle and it took us about a week to shoot it overnight and it was just the craziest week of my life i don't think i slept mm. and like i i just got the adrenaline was just wild like at one point i fucked up my bite and i got slashed with a sword oh, wow. and i thought it was the coolest thing that obviously ever happened and it was totally my fault not stunt's fault but like if i had gone any longer i would have made myself really mm. ill it was like it was just i was so wired and just like it was just i and but do you know what it was so intense that it made me think something wasn't for me because i was like i can't keep myself mm. Because I, I was so like, I wouldn't even, I wasn't eating properly. I wasn't drinking. I was just so, you know, when you're so nervous yeah. and you just sort of, oh, it's so intense. Your first there was time. no efficiency of process at all. Yeah. Yeah, there, there was no, like, everything I'd learned went out the window. And also, I mean, the actors I was working with were super famous. The director was super famous. Yeah. So how long were you on Britannia for? I was on it for about three months. Which was, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I loved it. I mean, I, I, I learned loads. I met amazing actors who gave me lots of good advice. But working away from home when you're that young and that inexperienced is really hard. Like, I was really lonely. Whereas if I, if I was to do it now, I'd be the social coordinator of the group and I'd be having dinner with everyone every night and having, like, a lovely holiday. But when you're that, when you're young and you're inexperienced, it's quite, it's terrifying. Like, it sounds really stupid, but like, I wouldn't dare come out of my trailer to go and get like a drink because I'd be so like, I've got stuff to say, I've got to stay here. And that was sort of a running theme for me in TV for, like, I think, probably about another year or so. Because I never played, well, Britannia, I was a regular, so I got a bit more comfortable, but 
then then I went on to do a lot of day player stuff and that's really hard because you feel I mean yeah it's that feeling of starting a new job over and over and over again that horrible feeling of like not knowing where you stand with people and that you're in everyone's way and it's just took a lot of getting used to it. I think it might be interesting to touch on the the day player thing because that's basically when you're going in to just work for a single day on a job and so with that how what sort of communication do you have from people because you need to come in and suddenly match the energy of the other actors the tone of it like to understand Mm. what you're in Mm. without yeah maybe you haven't seen it yet so how does that work it's yeah it's it's really hard but it's really really good for you um and it's really helped me to then know what to do going forward so i've just made my first leading show and it i i remembered what it was like when i used to come in for a day and take that with you like i'll never forget i did like a few days on a, a bbc series straight out of dawn school um and i literally like I played like um, a sex worker who had like one line. And um, I'll never forget Tom Burke, the actor Tom Burke, who did my scenes with me, was so kind and generous and just treated me like the story would not exist without me. Do I mean? Like, came in, just instantly gave me all of this time and like, you know, everything to make the scene good, like for, for both of us. And I just, you know, some actors give you that and directors as well. You know, they treat, they don't treat you just like you're here to just facilitate this one scene for this other person. They treat you like a fully fledged part of the story, but then some don't, you know, some, some treat you like an essay and that's fine because sort of you are, you know, and I I get it. And I think both these are uh, learning experiences, but I mean, yeah, I think a good director and a good lead actor will treat you like you're just an important everyone now. It's good that you you recognise that that greenness in someone when they're new, because yeah, as yeah. you you know go up the up the ladder, you can you know nurture those people and just you know make sure that they're not stuck in the trailer wanting to drink. Well, because you never forget it, and you you never forget it. You know, mm. never, years later, Tom Burke came to see me in a play. Totally by accident. He got to see me in the play, but I just happened to be in the play. <laughs> And instantly at the bar, he came up to me afterwards and gave me like a big hug and said hello and like totally remembered me. And like, that means so much to you. And like, I look back on that job and it was a really positive experience. I look back on maybe another job and I won't name people, but like where I was, I did like three or four days and like everyone treated me like I was completely invisible. And that's also Mm. fine because they had other shit going on, but it's like, I, oh, you'll never forget them experiencing. Yeah, yeah from my experiences of being a runner and stuff, like you remember when um, the director sits and just has a chat with you when they have like a minute. Yeah. Like it, it does so much and you never know what people are yeah. going to go on and do as well. So you kind of went from Britannia and and kind of yeah. started doing your TV work and all that fun stuff. How has your process yeah. evolved from like in your preparation and how you kind of work on set? Like what sort of work are you doing and how have you become more efficient? I think my prep is sort of smaller and smaller and my work is not, I just don't do it. It's so bad. When I started out right, I would do so much work and like, you know, especially in theatre, you have to do the work, you know, you have to get scripts and you have to be a book really before you start. You, I mean, the beauty of theatre is to spend your first week just seeing the director talking about everything. Carly, just for the audience, that. what does off book mean? Oh, sorry. Like completely off the script. So you've learned all the lines. And then when I was doing small roles, I was doing loads of prep. 
and then I'd go in and I'd probably I'd be too intense because I've I've worked too hard on it, you know, like I've I've got two lines and I'm giving them yeah. everything. Um and then it's not until you start to get your regular roles where you start to relax a bit. And that's where things changed for me, I think. Like my first regular was a show called The Stranger on Netflix. And um I just by being in, you know, a few days a week, you instantly relax because I started to make friends and for me that was a huge huge shift because i didn't really like working in tv because i felt lonely i think when i did it um but then the second i started to make friends i realized oh my god through is the gifts of the best mm. and like i was becoming best friends with you know hair and makeup and costume and runners and ad's and it made a massive difference to me because i'm so i'm a social being and I like having friends and feeling comfortable to just, you know, mess about. Um, and then as soon as I started to be able to do that, I just instantly relaxed, which then meant my process sort of went downhill. But I, but I also didn't really do anything where I needed much of a process. Um, I think I then sort of fell into comedy a bit. And personally, I think comedy is just about making each other laugh and feeling comfortable and feeling I think if I went in with a great deal of prep, it would fall a bit flat. I actually am getting back into, I'm about to do um, my first film, uh, which is very exciting. Congratulations. I can't say, I can tell you what it is off the podcast, but um, there's loads of prep involved, but like actual like physical prep, so I'm like learning a whole new skill. Mm. So that's really fun. So I'm enjoying that side of prep. But yeah, in terms of like script prep, maybe the night before I'll think about things. I didn't know you were in uh, Stranger. Sorry, I didn't know you were in, in The Stranger. I really enjoyed that show. Some Did of you? Sh- People loved it. Yeah, some of it was shot near my house in Berry. You- oh, really? I, we shot a lot in um, Bolton. Yeah, 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 which is the next town. Oh, uh, yeah, that's what I was mainly in, in Bolton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. People loved it. I think it came out just before lockdown, maybe. That was it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a yeah. great show. It was really fun. I had a great time, like... Jennifer Saunders played my mum, which was just mental. <laughs> I, and I didn't know until the read through. Oh shit! And the casting, the casting director, um, Orla, who was so cool, she basically grabbed my hand and she went, "Can we go in?" And I was like, "Yeah." Walks around the corner and Jennifer Saunders is sat there. And I'm like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> you warned me. Would that have she helped though? So you'd have been shitting yourself up until the point. Yeah, of... maybe not because I would have freaked out. Yeah, I would have freaked out. But I just didn't think that everyone's going to be so famous in the cast. I have this top thing. I just forget that everyone's famous. And then um, just sat watching them all, and they were all so good. It was the stranger was a massive turning point for me. It was when I started to enjoy working with Team Waffle. That's good. Yeah. Excellent. So yeah, as you're kind of like doing less and less prep now, apparently, uh, <laughs> what's, <laughs> what sort of conversations are you having with? directors if at all don't get me wrong i'll ask lots of questions i'm very much i'm, I'm finding my voice now so like if they but it's mainly dialogue mm. it's mainly things like that you know i really struggle to say a bad line i'm not a good enough actor to, to pull off a, a bad bad dialogue there'll be not that there's you know it's rare that there is bad dialogue but when there is i have to sort of work that out and not you know normally the director is with you which is a good thing what um, does that process look like? At, Just if you give us an example. Well, I've been lucky that my last five or six TV jobs, we have rehearsal, which makes such a difference. Mm. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't get it. We we have like a week or two 
of rehearsals where you basically, you don't really get up, but you just sit down and go through the entire scripts and just read the scene. And it's mainly just saying lines that you don't quite find true. Mm. And then sometimes the writer's in the room with you and you'll work it out together. Other times the director will take it away with them, talk to the writer. It's tricky because you don't want to shit on writers. You know, they do. Um, sometimes they have a different voice in their head and you're a voice of yeah. reality. So. Yeah, sometimes it just doesn't feel true to, to say certain things. No, normally it's just that. Or I'll be honest, a lot of my conversations in the last few jobs have been about intimacy. Uh, I'm on an Apple show at the moment um, and there, there's a big <clears throat> intimacy sort of conversation that happens through most of my scenes, which is really good. I mean, they're really, the company's Hello Sunshine, which is recent been companies that are they're massively, massively on top of all things mm. intimacy. Mm. Um, so it's mainly, mainly that at the moment. Yeah, so so you're, you're basically just kind of in rooms, rehearsals, going through the scripts, picking out things which doesn't quite ring true. Because I guess these are the conversations you'd have to have on a shoot day, which can slow you down and then you've got time yeah. and pressure, which doesn't help. Yeah, I, I, and I guess, I guess uh, for me, rehearsals is just about building a bit of trust and a bit of a conversation with the director. I think it's really hard when you meet on the day and like, or you just, you know, rock up and work it out on the day. I think, yeah, my last few jobs, we've probably sat and read through the entire script together. So you start on the day you're thinking and sort of. I actually, a job I did a few months ago, the director would write down basically his whole internal monologue, which I found really interesting. So, and he, and he would just read it out to me, which, which I actually thought was really interesting. Like it's basically all of his thoughts in that moment. And it, I didn't really do anything with it. I just sort of absorbed mm. it, but I found that quite interesting. And um, I have a direct, I'm working with a director at the moment. Um, his name is Alec Willie. He's really, he's amazing. He basically, in the rehearsal, will tell you what shots he's planning for which lines, mm. which I actually find really helpful, which I've not had before, but he'll be like, so I'll use this shot for this bit. So to give it on this bit. And I actually find that really helpful to be that specific about things, especially when you're doing like a four, five page scene. Mm. For someone to be like, Give, make this good on this line because I'm going to do this then. I actually find that quite helpful. But yeah, rehearsals can look like anything really. I think they're just nice to have. That's interesting. That um, yeah, obviously that's if they, you know, you know, that's obviously making a meal of the beat, isn't it? That yeah. they're going to they're gonna put the camera on. I, 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 I didn't think that that would be helpful. But I know, just, and, yeah. and I think some people would, but I find stuff like that help. I mean, I find line reads helpful. I know people are really anti it, but like my friend said to me recently, and I think this is true. He was like, direct. I don't want to disrespect you guys. He was like, direction is a lot about just intonation, mm. because ultimately, a lot of the time, actors their instinct is right. They're just it's just sounding not quite how it should sound, and it's so true because it. But and you can see it on set when they're trying to basically tell someone the intonation is mm. wrong. But as an actor, you cannot see it. Mm. Like if you're the one put, like with the wrong intonation, it is impossible to change it. Mm. And that's why sometimes I find line reads really helpful because sometimes it's that technical, whereas everything else is right. You just need to go up there and down there. Line reading meaning as in like you just blast the lines out without really thinking about it. Well, no, like for the director to say, it needs to sound like, can we go to the shop now? Oh, literally like, doing it for you. Yeah, I actually, I actually don't mind No it. way. Yeah, I swear. We I get told that we get shot dead if we do I shit. I know. Yeah. 
But this is what's so wrong with the industry. You get told, don't talk to actors, don't do line reads. Like, not creating monsters mm. there. Of course, that is insane. Fucking call them out. Tell them when they're being shared. Right. Tell them how it means On the sound. podcast, Callie Cook says yeah, you can help that. that directors, you <laughs> can say the fucking line how it needs to be said. Do you know what? But that's like, the point, right? I worked with a, a, quite an experienced actress recently and she, I was talking to her about like, what's like when I got myself comfortable with, I was like, what annoys you? And she was saying that no, like, no, no. what annoys me is when a director comes to try and give me the fucking metaphors behind it. Yeah, don't give me a big word. And it's like, just tell me how you want me to say it and I'll exactly. fucking do it. And it's easier that way. Yeah, that's exactly how I, don't come and give me some metaphor. Don't give me some big word <laughs> or try and like get like intellectual <laughs> yeah. about it. Just literally say, go up here, go down here and say that quicker. That is mad. Because that is sometimes all, all it is. It can be, it, it, you know, it's so, it's sometimes it's You just... know, now that you're experienced and, and, and if a director came to you and said, look, the, 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 this line means means this and it, and, and, and it's going to point to something that's coming later on and, you know, just right. going fucking philosophical about it. Have you got the confidence now to say, listen, I don't understand what you mean here. Just Yeah, I have now. I mean, yeah, five years ago, absolutely not. When you're in every day, I mean, you're, things have come very different and, and you do get to a point where, like, you, you are that character, you know, a few of my jobs that I've done recently, like I, I am that person now. So mm. I, I get, I, but, but I understand when things aren't reading and it's interesting because you watch them back and you're like, oh, right, that's so wrong. And you, you can see it through other people. Like you can see when other people get notes and they are, they are simply not doing the note. Mm. Like I was on a job recently and the note was that this guy basically had to come in with all this first line. Could not get it. <laughs> not coming cooking his first line and i was like how interesting that he just in his head that's not connecting and the director bless him was trying to be really nice about mm. it and every time would come in and work just just a little bit like just keep giving him the same note but he just wasn't getting it and i'm like maybe in that moment you needed to be like you're not doing mm. it this is like giant me. and i think yeah your, your ego would be a little bit bruised but i think I also really need to get told sometimes that one this weird pedestal shouldn't be on. Yeah, that it is. It is a weird thing, is because you do get taught to speak, to speak to actors in like a certain way as if you're not people, which it's is so weird. strange. I don't think that's helpful because it creates like a barrier. It's like how it's how like um, ads and uh, runners sometimes get told not to talk to actors and stuff. I'm like, isn't that their job? Yeah. Like I would really, I wouldn't work well under an environment where I wasn't, you know comfortable and friendly with everyone that's me personally i get you know i get some actors in time to crack and stuff like god it's not that deep is it really what i, I don't know yeah oh it's, it's a strange i think we spoke about it when when amit was on and the stupid shit i did uh but yeah there, um, there's like a whole thing around like it's hard to know if you are like mid process when you're kind of just like yeah. sat there chilling on your own on set yeah you're basically like ferried to and from when you need to be there and otherwise like if you're hanging about yeah. it's like why are they there do you know what i mean like why, like why are you guys yeah. there um so it's rare to get an opportunity to be like this would be a good chance to speak to them but yeah i think from like a directing standpoint it's a bit of a, a tricky one to to just come in with a very very direct note like i'm not feeling it and i don't know why you know what i mean when they're coming over to you when the problem is purely on mm. you not getting the note you can tell so I always just think, let's just speed it up if you, if you, I just think be really specific of what you mm, want. Mm. And I think sometimes we, we, we dart around the, you just need to do this. But I mean, yeah, it's a way of doing it. 
and it's, it's still you know it is a bit harsh when they come when you're clearly not getting it and it's frustrating when you're when you're in it it's really hard to see and there's so much going on and like part of the skill as a, as a director and the, the whole craft of it is that you need to learn the language to be able to give quick notes because if you're like flying yeah. around in delivering situations and scenarios from your life which it could be a bit yeah. like this like that, that's probably the time to do it during the rehearsal but on set yeah. like when you're kind of mid-take there's no time for like a big chat and the, Agree, the best yeah. directors I've seen have kind of they've gone in they've given like a quick note to shape it and then you kind of see what happens and then you shape yeah shape it from there I think I've even heard like Yorgos Lanthimos apparently he's literally just like a bit slower or a bit faster and that's literally what he really, does yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think a lot of the time that is, because that, yeah, I agree, that's what rehearsal is for, right? Rehearsal is for this big chat of, you know, my intention and my circumstances and where my head is at and where I've been before. And I will write all of that down. Mm. And that's my stuff to go home and absorb. And then I think on the day, it, it, it should be, you know, quicker or, you know, you're feeling less more here or less, or I just, I don't know. I understand not all actors will respond to it, and I know some would get pissed that someone walked in and just went, do this now. Yeah. But I just think, I don't know, I just think sometimes the tiptoeing around this, there's just so much other stuff going on. I think I think you're right, Marcus. When, when time is money and time's ticking and you're on take mm -hmm. six, and it's like, we don't, you know, the first day, he's like, we have to move on, and you're not getting it. Yeah. It's that thing of like, you know what? You just need to say it fucking quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously exactly. without the swearing yeah. in it. No, exactly. But I remember I remember I remember Jennifer Lawrence talking about how to get the performance she got, David O'Russell would literally be just off camera, literally saying the fucking lines to her. I think really? she said it in an Oscar speech or one of the things, yeah. Wow. I'll yeah. have to find it. But I rem and it and it really struck stuck with me because I was like, that's her who's an Oscar yeah. winner now, saying that about the director. Mm. Like that goes against everything that everybody tells you. But sometimes it is just, you just need a beat of something. And it's like, I did something re uh, at the start of the year where I did the whole scene and we did a long take and it was about a four page scene. And it, I got emotion, it was an emotional scene and I did all of that. And then there was a bit where like, um, we're doing these weird close shots on my eye. And the director was like, I actually just need a tear. <laughs> um, and he was like, and I mean, a lot of actors would be like, get fucked. Yeah. Um, but I was like, we haven't got fucking time and everyone wants to go for lunch. So I was like, yeah, let's just quickly do it. And like, we quickly, and I just like squeeze a tear out. And there was no, no, nothing going on behind my eyes. I was literally just trying to cry in that moment. And it's like, but what, but that's, that's part of our skill, I guess. Like sometimes. Did you use a tear stick? It, it, no, did you use a tear stick? Wow. But like sometimes yeah. we do just need to do quick things like that for the sake of everyone else. And we're all working together. And I think, you know, if they had given me 10 minutes to go sit in the corner and listen to a mm. sad song, it's like that's 10 minutes of everyone's lunch that they lose. And I just mm. think, but you, you learn that as you go. But I think it's it's all about trusting each other to know that that's what we need to do to get the shot. And, 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 and you know, I trusted that director and he explained it to me in a way that my brain could understand, so we work together to do it. The next question we, we had was about how does a director earn your trust and vice yeah. versa, like what, what do you do there? Um, I mean, like I said earlier, I, personally, I really respond to things when I'm friends with people or like when like we can sort of, I feel comfortable around them. I think, yeah, communication, I think giving me time, like giving me some time to get to know them a bit at the beginning. I really struggle to work where, where I don't know the person at all and they'll literally just come in and say something and then leave. 
how do I earn their trust? I think if I just believe what they're saying, and I think what they're doing is good, and I think that they're treating everyone else with respect. I don't think I don't think I'd work well with someone if they were like treating the crew like shit. You know, I I, I think directing is a really hard job. I mean, having just done my first lead, I got really overwhelmed with the amount of questions I would get asked, and then timed that by ten and asked the director, and I just think God, it's hard. Because, mm. you know, you've got 50 people asking you a question at any one time. You've got people swimming down your neck about time, constantly about time. And then you've also got actors, you know, wanting to take 10 minutes to talk about my intention of this line. And it's, I just think they have such a hard job. Um, so I think I would trust anyone who can do all that whilst being a nice person, because I think it's a really hard job. I, I think a lot of that, I would say just throughout to the audience is that a lot of that comes down from being prepared. Yeah. And so I think as a director, if you know what the scene is and you know where yeah. those emotional hinge points are, then you can communicate that to the actor. So yeah. like I think when we're saying about like giving quick notes, for me, like if if I know what that emotional hinge point is for each of the actors, then you can literally go in and be like, that was great but this line is your moment. You, you can fucking hit them with it. Yeah. And like that's, that's you kind of clapping back or, yeah. and that's all you need to say on in a moment. Yeah. And I guess like that's the same work you're doing, but you're kind of digging deeper. Right. So like, yeah, if you're then, you're then like immediately aligned and then you kind of know that, all right, the director's not full of shit. Yeah. Because when you <laughs> work together, work. it's fucking magic. And like some of my favorite times on set, and it's when, you know, you've got 10 minutes till the end of the day. You're running around the fucking forest trying to get this shot. And it's like, it's sort of impossible. But in that moment, like, everyone comes together to make it work. And it's like, and you see sometimes even the most famous of actors just covered in shit, running around fucking trying to get this last shot. And, like, everyone just works together in that time. And I think the what I love about directors is they all just go and go and go. Like, honestly, I've never worked with a director who doesn't want to, like, who wants to finish early, really. Like, like I know they'd, they'd love to finish early, but they just love fucking shooting. It's like my director, Jack, on Hempocalypse, who I've just worked with, honestly was like a child in a sweet shop. Like, he would never want to finish work and he would just run around so excited, like, <clears throat> all the time. He just loved it and he loved the magic of, like, filmmaking and he was up for anything and it's just like people like that that are, are, are really vibrant it's just like they're so excited to make something and like get us all working together and we just think it is a really hard job but i think when it when it works well and when we all trust each other it is it's magical but that's the that's the leadership though isn't it because good energy yeah. begets, begets good energy doesn't it exactly yeah. um so it's and, and i think that you know as you know as a director you are setting the leadership tone so yeah. you have to bring that energy and, and, and same with totally. actors like, you know, you, you're working with them. They're trusting you that you're not going to make them look like fucking shit yeah. on screen. Um, yeah. And you know what? Like Marcus and I, we discussed this a lot. You can get to the same fucking result without fighting. You don't need yeah. to. You just don't need <laughs> yeah. to fight. Yeah, it's so true. There doesn't uh, need that, to be that is, that is one thing I hate. I hate the fighting. Like when you've got like an AD, like a first arguing with the director, I, that does give me that bad vibes because mm. you are around it as well. There's no escaping it. If you're if they're all sort of making weird comments and getting a bit beefy with each other, that is quite uncomfortable, and that does happen quite yeah. a lot. 
that comes from not being on top of the craft like yeah and like have if you're not prepped then then you're going to flounder and then if you're floundering and there's time pressure and people yeah literally waiting five minutes for you to figure something out yeah without you communicating that it's so stressful i feel really so i mean directing is a hard job it's it's brutal and nothing can prepare you for it until you do it like yeah um, it's very good to sell, like here you uh, appreciate in the, the 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 director's colour. It really really is. God, yeah. Oh my god, our job's so easy. I've been on, I've been on set where <laughs> like so, and, it, and this segues into the next question where sometimes um, I was shadowing on something not so long ago, and there was one fucking actor. It was an ensemble piece, and the actor was just like hogging the director. And oh, like, annoying. Like back off, and I could <laughs> tell. Like like the, the director came, when when they came back, they walked past and said that person there, they're a fucking nightmare. And it was just really? good to just watch yeah. how they managed that. And that individual just every time, like, I would want to hug the... All, all they cared about was what they were doing, not what everyone else. Oh, so that's annoying. So the next question is, have you ever had it, say, on, you know, uh, on wedding season when you're slightly more in an ensemble setting with other mm-hmm. actors and everyone's got different energies or ways of working and maybe, you know, you don't all meet in the middle yeah. at the same point. How do you navigate that? So funny you chose wedding season as the example that is i mean okay let, a nice little case study <laughs> let me be let me be thanks more how i word this um so wedding season was like one of the greatest jobs of my life because i made four best friends and we filmed around manchester through the summer and it was like it was a joy and disney were a joy and like it the, the director george kane was a legend and laura our block two director everyone was amazing um um, yeah, there, there was a, there was an actor in the show um, who works very differently to the rest of us. It's fascinating how one person's attitude and approach to work can change the entire dynamic of the film crew. Like, it's never have I seen that before. You know, I've worked with a few famous people who obviously change the atmosphere, but mainly just because they're famous, not because they're rude. Um, but it's just that thing of like what we were saying it's like the number one affects the entire call sheet and the entire atmosphere and i'm so glad i watched it i'm so glad i've seen it done well and i'm I'm glad i've seen it done badly because it it really impacts how you take that with you like i just did my first number one and like you know i wore that crown heavily on my head because i just yeah yeah, it really is responsibility. Like, even when you do a play, I kind of a play a few years ago and our lead actress was uh, in her 80s. And even that was just like, okay, she was, she was amazing and an amazing woman, but it was like, okay, this is how, we're calm. We're calm here. Like, this is, and she made the rehearsal room really calm. Whereas, yeah, when we did Reading Season, it was, you just never knew what, what, what mood you were going to get and it was exhausting and, like, it, it, it was just really interesting to see how differently a crew works if they feel comfortable around someone or if they're scared of someone. Mm, mm. And it's like no one can work under that. Would you would you place that responsibility of approaching that at the director's feet or the producer's feet or someone senior in the cast? I, I do think monsters are created. I think things on wedding season would have been different if producers um were were maybe a bit more on top of things early on when they happened rather than sort of just enabling them or like being I don't know it's hard when you have a star because people feel very grateful that they're even there and it's like sort of their job mm. 
crew, like producers in general, need to call actors out more because I, I, I just think, I mean, I know I, I personally would be mortified if someone in like the first few weeks sat me down and was like, "Chill, be nice to people, you're being a bit." Like, oh my god, that would like I would I'd never forget that. But I, it's just tricky, isn't it? Because everyone's trying to please all the time, even execs, even as high as high up as you go, everyone's trying to please someone else, and the hierarchy is just relentless. But I think, yeah, on wedding season, it was just really clear to see the difference in how people approach work, and it was really sad. That's what I mean when I say I think monsters are amazed. Like I just think, like I've witnessed things where actors have generally been in the wrong and you know these lovely lovely ad's have crept on in there and said oh i'm really sorry but and it's like they're wrong they don't approach them saying sorry just be like dude you didn't do this someone was saying something to me the other day and uh, they were like it's not that actors get driven everywhere because they want to treat them well they get driven everywhere because they don't trust them to fucking arrive ever on time or in the right place it's like we, we get treated like children but then also spoken to like children mm. and i think sometimes if we were all just sort of professionals a bit more maybe we'd work together but all in all when i wrote that question i meant in terms of like because some people they take like two takes to warm up and some people can like go from right. the jump and then burn out um yeah so like in terms of that when you're working in an ensemble piece like what's your part in kind of like managing that and meeting people in the middle and if if you don't kind of meet other cast members in the middle how, what do directors do to kind of shape that yeah i think do you know what doing ensemble pieces especially people your own age is really interesting because you learn how everyone else works i mean it's always fascinating doing you know working with older actors because they work very differently like they take their they take their time and they're not scared to like go again or stop or whereas we i think our generation is much eager to please and to be quick because I think we've got it in our heads that we just don't have long and we're constantly terrified of pissing anyone off. Yeah, I think I, I, I always love seeing other actors give it a go because, you know, there are some who aren't afraid to, like, say, you know, I always find it interesting seeing people go, can we do my coverage first? Or, like, that, that stuff I never would have dared ask before. And that, when I got on Tempocalypse, I was a bit more like, I could say, if, when I wanted to do my coverage, if it was an intense scene or whatever, things like that, you, you pick up from other people. But I mean, no, do, doing, I'll be honest, doing a show with an ensemble cast the same age, it was like, it's like making a show with your mate. Mm. That was, you know, we were all on a level playing field and we were all just working together to try and make the show better together. And I mean, it was so fun. Yeah. It's, film sets are really, really interesting because it's like, mm. it's like a mini society, like, being forced to work together really with is. like proper class systems at play like to yeah. the extreme degree you've literally got millionaires sometimes billionaires working mm. alongside someone who's on like a runner's wage and it's like mm-hmm. oh that is yeah that stuff is and, fucking isn't that mad yeah. it's a it's so world. weird one thing i had on a job recently that i used to really upset me was that i became really good friends with like um the the runners and we were on a night out once and then um, we were getting pissed together. I think I was the only actor there. And then um, they just kept going, oh, you could get us fired, though. And it was like, <laughs> firstly, no, I can't. It absolutely can't. But so they kept saying it. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so sad that there's this sort of 
yeah. hierarchy that we can't really shake off. Yeah. But I, I feel like every job I do, I make real friends. And then it's horrible to think that they that thought in the back of their head that they shouldn't be with me or I could get them fired or something like that. That's mad to me. God, it's still family. You know, you go through something that not many people understand. It's like the job I'm about to start is six months and it's mm. um, in a lot of different countries. And I'm like, God, if I don't make friends with the crew, it's going to be such a lonely experience. Mm. So I, I really rely on the crew, on the job. Mm. Mm. It's mad, isn't it, that the actors, that, that and I've seen it quite a lot, and it, 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 it made me realise that on House of the Dragon and, and, and on a couple of other things, that actors really do make friends with the crew, not oh, necessarily yeah. other actors, but with the fucking crew. Well, you think, especially, you know, like makeup, I'm spending an hour with them every morning at 5pm yeah. and, and and at night, and they are in my face, like, they're going to know everything about me. Costume have seen me naked a lot. Like we're gonna be good friends, and like you're so into you're with them all. Like they do become the family, and like the camera guys. Like it's weird to not know, you know, when someone's asking you to do these things with your face and your body and move you around. It's weird to me to not get to know them. I think that's when I started to fall in love with it. Was when I started to get to know mm. crews and have such a laugh with them. I'm like, because like when it's done well, it can be so fun. Like Hempocalypse just now was eight weeks of pure joy and it's like honestly like that's how i'm obviously just saying it because it's my first lead but like it was the most beautiful environment where we were just there to make each other laugh and to just be silly together and it's like that's how it should be done mm. i think and I, I get it's different the bigger the shows are i know that there's a lot of politics but it shouldn't it shouldn't be as like there shouldn't be as much drama surely yeah why is there always so much drama it's oh, usually the nights out. But... Never stop. <laughs> but... <laughs> but... Yeah, no, that's fine. The food can always go and get yeah. you know, it, and we, we, we used to often say to each other, and it, it always rings in my head, like, Marcus's face just be like that, and he'd be like, I'm like, why? Why does it need to be like that? Like, yeah. just for us, it's like, this is where we want to be. You know what I mean? This yeah. is a blessing to actually get to that position. Why the yeah. fuck would you want to go there and start shitting on everyone? But do you think know? maybe that's a do you think maybe that's a dying thing then? Because do you think maybe our new generation is this like quite cool, you know, working class people who maybe just want to go and have a nice time and like we feel like we've worked so hard to get there that maybe we'll make a nicer environment. I hope so. I think that's like yeah. an element of it so. is that like you appreciate yeah. what you have rather than it feeling like a birthright. Yeah, because my, honestly, mine's not gone away. Like, I, And I, I've done a few things now that are like bucket list shit. Mm. But um, I, I still start a new job, but I'm like, fuck me, this is cool. Because mm. yeah, you could be doing something that you don't want to do. Like the yeah. majority of people. Right? I mean, all of us, I just thought, God, we're so lucky. I mean... Marcus, we're say, all, all of my friends, they're really happy, but like they work these jobs that, you know, that's what they'll do now for the rest of their life, nine to five, Monday to Friday, mm. office jobs. And that's the life that they chose and they're happy. But isn't it amazing that we can, you know, tomorrow you could be traveling the world, learning a new skill, doing something mega. It's just, we're so lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a beautiful industry to be a part of, for sure. And there's so many like interesting people you meet as well, rather than like your same mm. set. You kind of create lots of little tribes. So just to go back on on task, we'll have to. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fun. <laughs> you're uh, you're so you're making waves now. It seems and getting recognised. Well, I hope. Yeah, and you're saying like. Do you get recognised, Callie, on the street? 
sometimes for cheaters I, I only tend to be like when i'm on tv like in that time mm. people maybe stare at you on the tube for a bit yeah do you sign autographs um only from weird collectors with like the tongue okay i mean they're not they're not worth much <laughs> Do you have? Did you change your signature to be more flashy? No, but, and then I no, and then I panicked that everyone was gonna like, I was, everyone was gonna rob me because the same signature was like on my bank statement. Oh shit! <laughs> so I didn't need to make one, don't I? Yeah. yeah you, should that's do a so C, weird. you should do a C squiggle, C I'll squiggle. I'll just do a C C. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That shit stresses me out. I'm gonna get. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna have an identity theft. Yeah, it'll be all your fault. <laughs> um, so yeah, so with that. I was saying you've always seemed to have like the next job lined up. Are you still auditioning? Are you still being rejected? And if so, how would you manage that? It's so funny, isn't it? To you guys, it looks probably like it's all it's all roses. No, but yeah, but um, I still, I mean, I still have freakouts all the time. I mean, yeah, I'll I'll be honest. I the last few years have been great, and um, I always I always say this, but like my advice to actors is to find a part time job. Um, because it honestly, I used to work at a gym and it honestly saved me through the years. I worked there as a drama student and then for a few years after, I could always go off, do a job, come back. And it honestly kept me sane because it would be, you know, spending time with people who weren't in the industry. They didn't give a shit about my problems mm. or waiting to know that on an audition or. And it would just, you know, I would spend all day just talking to people who had totally different lives and were really interesting and sort of, it just gave me routine, which I think is really important. Being self-employed, it's hard mm. and like not having, and you know, doing what, like like you guys, doing a six-month job and then being unemployed for six months, it's, it's, it's a bit of a headbutt. And it takes a lot to get used to. <clears throat> so I always worked anyway, just doing all sorts of different jobs. But then yeah, I think just before I got cheated and then I quit that job. And it's been a pretty steady thing. I mean, it's cool. The difference is, is that when people can watch your work, you get considered for things that you are right for mm. all the time. So it's less throwing fucking shit into the wind and seeing what sticks. Mm. It, it's more now like, I'll meet the things specifically that are quite right for me. The thing I've noticed, I guess, is that I get brought into the room now rather than taping and then being brought in, oh, normally I'll just go into a room. Mm. And they'll, you know, yeah, they'll like watch me do something, which makes a big difference. It also makes a difference for your confidence, I guess, because you can walk in and then you can discuss something that they've seen. Rather than feeling like you have to prove yourself in five minutes and prove your entire existence in five minutes. Mm. Um, you know, the worst thing as an actor is when you walk into an audition room and they're like, what have you been up to? And you're like, well, I worked six part-time jobs. And it's like, that's, it's so hard. You just feel like prove yourself all the time. So that switch is definitely, you know, it's, it's helpful. I still, yeah, I still audition, but I guess the quality of things I audition for is different. Yeah, like I said to you guys, I just got, just got my first film, which is fucking so cool. I'm really excited about it. And it's, it's, um, it takes me to the end of the year. Amazing. It's my longest contract yeah. which i'm actually just just a relief to be like working for the rest of the year now and i just can like not have to think about anything now until next year mm -hmm. which is i mean it must have been saved these guys on Papa dragon like just to know that my year is sort of yeah worked out is really nice and then so what happens after that i don't know but lots lots of fun things i mean <clears throat> henpocalypse i think could be it's a mad show I think people will either love it or hate it. Mm. 
Um, but I had such a good time working on it. I don't really care what people think of it. Um, That's good though, because I guess for you, yeah. the work is done, isn't it? Like your fun bit is yeah. done. The rest is just forward facing. So. Yeah, I remember one of my friends saying to me, he was like, you make three shows. He was like, there's the script you read, there's the film, like the, the film you shoot, and there's the edit. And it's like, and you can only control the first two. Well, actually, no, you can only control the middle one. It's the thing you shoot on that day. And he said, the rest you just have to forget about because it's not your, mm. you know, not your story anymore. It's what they do with it. And it's what people take away when they watch it. And so I'm just trying to focus on like the experience I had when I made it. I can't control anything else. Yeah. I'm just here. I'm just here for the good times now. Just here for the vibes. <laughs> I'm just here for the vibes. <laughs> I guess you said like there's a bunch of great actors who graduated in your year and I mean you've obviously had a good experience and I know like that's from the outside when you're in it it feels slow and, and like you get all the anxiety and stuff but mm. for them that they might be having more a tricky time and why do you think that you've cut you've cut through like what do you think honestly I just it's, it's I think it is luck I mean look my year that like there's what 10 10 girls in my year they're all so talented. We all had sort of the same style. I did get a good agent, which was definitely what helped me. And I, I got a good first job. And I think if I hadn't got that first job when I did, things would be really different. I I think, yeah, it's just hard. I mean, yeah, like I said earlier, for a lot of my mates, we're at that point now where half of the people we know are becoming famous, like are getting jobs that change their lives and they're or they're in a TV show that they're going to be in for the next five years. And it's like, these things can happen. We're starting to know people now that are in like every big show. Mm. And then the other half, you know, are like working these jobs where they're like, should I just sign on and get a salary now and actually start to be able to live my life and earn decent money. And it's making that choice and it's, it's an impossible choice because what, what what do you obviously as someone who's now on a trajectory how do mm. you you know you're talking about being grounded right mm. like at some point and it depends on your circle it depends on a lot of things as you keep you know going and doing really well and you've still got mates that are like that that's that, that are struggling i'm not i'm not saying that are you gonna always keep talking to them of course if they're friends you will but i'm saying that <laughs> we're conversations. yeah it's tough it's tough it's like this um this film that I just bought, because it is so exciting, obviously the first thing I wanted to do was tell all my friends. Mm. But I'm aware that like that is mm. gonna make them feel shit. Like not because they're jealous of me, but because because it they makes want them that. Reflect as well. on themselves, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, and it's it's hard. I'll be honest, I have some friends that I will pick up the phone and rant to about not hearing back from an audition or rant to about having a schedule problem and then they're the ones that are maybe in the same boat but then the ones who aren't there I won't do that shit to because I know it's insensitive but yeah it is tough I mean I think you just have to try and judge it and you have to try and you know there are things you talk about there are things you don't you know you, you have to just try and celebrate their it's mad their isn't it? you've got a, you've got a loyalty to the friendship but you know, when you uh, it, one of my friends was a director that's doing quite well. They have that they, they have this same thing yeah. about man. I know how hard it is to struggle to make it as a f director, and now I'm there, getting there. Yeah, I really struggle speaking to some people, but yeah, yeah, it must be. It, 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 it must is be hard. I mean, third year of drama school is fucked because you go from like these are your, your family, 
you spend every day together you go through everything together and then all of a sudden you're just like we're we're, we're competing now mm. like even though we are not the same fasting we are never going to go up the same roles but in that moment you think you know i they're just the ones around you yeah, yeah and that's yeah. Our, our world is so small and you're sat and you know the showcase is it's so fucked up you literally mm. like a wednesday in april you go and do your showcase in the west end and then the next morning you're sat there and it's like who got an email who got who got this like i remember we, we all went to the we all went to like a, a bar after our showcase and we're all like let's all keep our phones off for an hour so we can just all debrief together without any of this bullshit mm. and then the second we all turned our phones on it was fucking pandemonium <laughs> Like five of the boys had got phone calls from the RSC, like all with auditions, and everyone was running around. Like, did you get worse? <laughs> it's mad. I mean, we can look back now and see how fucked it was, but like everything changes from that moment. Mm. And it's really sad. I mean, thankfully, I still have my best friends from drama school, and I know that they are so proud of me and like they're so supportive, and I am the same for them. But like, God, it's hard because I know I felt it, you know. It's really tough, and that's why it's important to you know have have your friends as well that aren't in the industry. Yeah, they don't really they don't really care. And like my sisters, they just don't care about my problems. Yeah, it's, I find that really helpful. They? Yeah, they both my sisters are nurses. They got bigger fish to fry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Like, because I, I I used to live with Kelly's sister and like I lived with three nurses, and so like oh yeah, you went wrong. It was. Well, I mean, you say that, like, I couldn't moan about anything in that house. It yeah, was like, you just can't, can you? <laughs> I'd come back stressed and tired from work. And yeah. then one of them would just, like, come in in a flood of tears. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, cool. Yeah, you just, Someone's just died. our job's not that hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they've got it way worse. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, instant perspective on, on what's yeah. going on. Which um, is good, really, which is what I I always, if I'm having a, a, a down period, I will always, um like, go home for a bit and just hang out with, like, my sister's little kids because they just don't it, I think it's about hanging out with people who just do not give a shit about your problem mm. and so yeah I'll just go hang out with that family's kids for a few days because they I mean one of them can't even talk so she didn't care great just telling her all, all, your, all, all, all your problems yeah she's my therapist <laughs> <laughs> um I guess as a final point uh no. unless you've got any other questions Oz no you to throw it. um what what does the future look like for you and what with what you can talk about what is the future like um the future i mean the rest of the year is going to be really cool um it's going to be lots of i've always wanted to travel with work so i'm really excited to do that now that i'm a bit older and wiser and braver um and i mean i've got shows coming out. i've got hemp pockets coming out in the summer Amazing. um so peacocks season two is coming out right Peacock 2, we can say, and it's great because I'm shooting, but I've got a little hiatus and I can fit in um, Peacock 2 in that right. hiatus. So that'll be really fun. Peacock is a joy. Yeah. Um, working with comedians is so funny because they're just ridiculous. So yeah, lots of filming, which will be good. Um, lots of filming, lots of traveling. I feel like this year has been a lot about work. There's been lots of work. So maybe a, maybe a break. Filming and traveling is sort of both things that I wanted to do because then I get to be on holiday and get paid for it. Yeah, yeah, which is the absolute dream. Yeah. Um, and I, I asked this to just all actors because 
I'm just intrigued. What's what what is your dream role? My dreams change. At the moment, I'm obsessed with the idea of working in New York. I've just been there on a holiday um, and I had some meetings and I would love to do a play there, which I think is an achievable dream. Um, and then dream role, I would love to do, I'd love to do like an independent film. It's not really British. Mm. Something that I would watch. That's sort of the stuff I like to watch. But then I'm also I'm really into at the moment American comedy, like Barry or Dave or the, or Search Party. Those kind of shows. I'd yeah. love to do an American comedy mm. show. Well, I'm sure it's all going to come towards you. It's it's been cool, kind of being in this industry and being surrounded by people and like over the course of like eight to ten years, just watching mm. everyone's sort of journeys. Like some yeah. people blow up, some people don't kind of hit the heights you think. And yeah, it's been amazing to see yeah. you. Your ascent. So, um, yeah, thanks for coming on and speaking about your experience. Thanks for having me. I'm yeah. hoping you can use all of it. <laughs> we'll use some of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget. I forget. I just chat shit and I forget. <laughs> So I think we'll move on to our next section now. I feel, I feel like I've just talked about how good my life is. Should I talk about some bad stuff? I've got some trauma. No, no, no. You keep your trauma. <laughs> pull that into your work instead. Uh, yeah. We'll take some inspiration, Kelly. So what, what has inspired you this week? Oh, I actually, do you know what? I was so glad that you asked me this because as you asked me, I just finished my book and there was such a nice quote in my book. Um, should I read you it? What, what's the book called? Um, the book is called Honey and Spice. Honey and spice. And it basically, the lead character is talking about falling in love. This isn't really nothing to do with anything. Where I just thought it was nice. My whole phone is just filled with quotes from books that I like. Yeah. And um, he's talking about falling in love, right? And this is what he talks about. And, it, and he's a filmmaker. I thought it was so nice. So I'll read it to you. <clears throat> I know how my favorite movies make me feel. They pull me in and pull me out. I'm totally in their world, but they also make me look in. I watch them and I feel home. I watch them and I feel like I can never know enough. I watch them over and over, always ready to discover the universe that they create. That's how she makes me feel. There's a whole universe in her and I'll be so lucky to live in it, explore it over and over. How nice is that? Well, that's wow. really nice. That's mine. in love. Yeah, Not that's mine. Love films instead. Yeah, that's yeah. nice, isn't it? Yeah. Very pretty. You can have that. Thank you. There you go listeners you're welcome what's yours do you guys have things that inspired you uh yeah, yeah oz what you got uh, mine's a, mine's a video from corridor digital um the <laughs> mocap technology usually takes like months and whatever but they created using ai this mocap oh ai kind of like ai mm. alien did a short film and turned it around in a week and it's oh, on corridor. Something about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called "There's an Alien in My House," but then they did it behind the scenes about it, and it's fucking mental because they have the the people who do all their mocap and VFX. They had them in the room when they showed them the tech. And wow. They were all like, "What the fuck? Like, why is that even allowed?" Yeah. Um, so it's, so yeah. it's basically like because now AI can track a person properly. Yeah. Like, whereas before you'd have to like have them with tracking markers on and all that sort of wild shit. And then, yeah, you can literally just, they just put like a character on top of them, don't they? Yeah. It just works. Yeah, so the video is Corridor Crew and the video is called, people say this tool will replace me. So I made a movie with it. Nice. 
sexy apocalypse is happening um with great filmmaking and mine is it's, it's another podcast so it's the filmmakers podcast and it got posted in a group by uh, the actual creator of it and it's how to direct and adapt a stephen king classic with the boogeyman's rob savage and rob savage is is an interesting filmmaker in that he kind of made a a feature naively when he was like 17. is um, he the guy that did one in lockdown yeah yeah, yeah. called hosts which is yes literally one of the scariest things like, is it is thing. i yeah, remember yeah, seeing yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's probably terrifying and it kind of went mad viral and since he's kind of been on a bit of an ascent but he was one of these filmmakers like he had like been i think with that feature film we made when he was like 18 he was nominated or won a beefer i can't remember for it and then he got an agent and then was like making shorts getting into like sundance and all sorts of stuff but because he was quite young he wasn't getting his projects moving right. and he just made host um over lockdown because a viral video he did of like his friend he basically scared his friend at his friends over zoom um he kind of said there was like shit going on in the attic and then as he kind of like on zoom took the camera up there he kind of sliced in a bit of video from the film called wreck which is a jump scare and scared right. the shit out of his friends and put it online and it blew up and then i think oh, shudder saw that and there was like i oh, will give him some money to make uh, a feature made host and um and then yeah and he's ever since that kind of went mad apparently the uk didn't know what to do with him which is not a shock and so he went to yeah. the us and everyone like loved host and he basically was being put up for a bunch of shit immediately and he's making something with sam raimi right now who's like a horror hero mm. and uh and he's got the boogeyman out in cinemas right now so he kind of talks about that whole process that's so it's really, cool really cool He's Why is it that they never care about England and England and they go to America and become all it's so weird. Yeah. We're too obsessed with like jumping on yeah. like, hype rather than actually just championing people who are clearly yeah. fucking great. Like I could, I could pick out so many great filmmakers around me who have not had the opportunity and they're way capable of doing it. Yeah. Just for the old heads that are already out there. It's weird. Right. Um, but yeah, great. I think that's it mm. this week. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Kelly. Thank you. Oh, it was amazing. Um, and so I think next week we'll probably be joined by another exciting guest. Um, so follow socials to find out who we'll be having on. And if anyone does happen to be listening, get your questions in at the director's take at outlook.com. And we want you to tell us what you want to know about directing or the film industry at large, and we'll do our best to tell you. We want to share this as a resource for you, so please do get your questions in and reach out to us on Instagram, which is the Directors Take Podcast, and also on Twitter, which is at Directors Take. And also leave us a review on whichever platform you get your podcast from. Khaled, yeah. do you, are you online? Yeah. Yeah, what are your socials? <laughs> I don't know. What do you mean? What, what's your Instagram? Tell us. I have no idea. Just my name, I think. <laughs> Fuck's sake, we'll put it is in there. Is that a thing people know? Yeah. Is that a thing they just happened to know? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Don't follow it. I won't post anything interesting. All right, well, we'll, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll put that in the description somewhere. And can you tell can you tell people, the listeners, to leave us a review, yeah. please? Because we've been saying it on our episodes and no one's oh, listening. So leave them a review. Thank leave you. them a review. Have you not got any reviews? No, I don't think so. Not oh, as of yet. Yeah. I'll leave you a review. Thank you. appreciate that. Leave them a review, please. Or else... <laughs> Perfect. And great. So I think until next time, keep learning, keep failing and keep the faith.